Hi, everybody, and welcome to Humanity First. <clears throat> and uh, I think it's still appropriate to say Happy New Year. Um, <clears throat> so Happy New Year to everybody who's uh, listening, and especially to Pam Ryan, who is our Chief Human Resources Officer. Hi, Pam, how are you doing? Great. Happy holidays. Yeah, you too. And uh, great to have you back on the on the show. I know that you've been on a couple of times. Um, and this time actually is uh, to talk about some very good news uh, that I'm sure a lot of our employees already know. But we were voted in the top 30 places to work for large employers from from the Boston Globe magazine uh, at the end of last year. And uh, we have been feeling pretty good about that over the last um few weeks, um, but I thought it would be a really good idea to break that down a little bit and say, what does that mean? You know, that is the headline, um, but what's behind the headline? What does it mean for us and what does it mean for the future? And I think the other thing to talk about is, you know, there is no way in our world that you can rest on your laurels. And yes, it is nice to get these accolades and it's nice. Uh, it's nice for us because we do get some recognition in the community as well, and that's all good. But it doesn't mean that we're a perfect uh, employer. Obviously, it means there's a lot of work to be done. Um, but it is, I think, worth sort of basking in that limelight a little bit to say, you know, that uh, we have this is an achievement and not everybody gets this um, award. So uh, let's begin by uh, talking a little bit about how this all came about, maybe. Sure. So around, I'm going to say the springtime. We were contacted by an organization called Energage, and they run um, the surveys nationally for all of the best ofs in the big markets like Boston, Chicago, um, you know, Washington, D.C., Texas, et cetera. And they asked us if we'd like to participate. And, you know, we were like, wow, you know, I was fairly new at that point, still had only been here a few months. And, you know, I thought, well, I guess this would be a great opportunity. Let's benchmark it, you know, and, and see where it goes. Um, best possible outcome is we're a winner. And, um, you know, other, not even necessarily worst possible outcome, we don't rate, but we learn something about ourselves. And so, you know, we decided let's just go for it. So Joanna Marshall, um, Lauren Rosignol and myself, we all worked with Energage to develop the um, the elements of the surveys and you know the length and the the things of that nature. We didn't really want it to be too too long, uh, and have it be just another one of those UGG surveys that that folks have to sit at their computer for you know fifteen or twenty minutes and take. And and so we we landed, um, you know, a little bit more background. So there were. Uh, 150 uh, top places to work. And, and just to give a little of framework here, there were last year when the Boston Globe did this, there were 363 organizations that went through the profit process. Um, 80,000 employees were surveyed and there were a, 150 winners. So that's a lot. And, you know, we didn't know what to make of where we might come out on this. And so this uh, it, this happened around June, uh, the end of June, beginning of July, when the survey went out. And, and it was really designed to measure satisfaction, uh, retention, performance, culture, relationship with the supervisor, and quality. And, and so 
what we learned in our results is that 85% of our staff fell into two categories, uh, enthusiastically engaged and engaged, with the bulk of that falling into the engaged category. 11% fell into disengaged and 4% fell into deeply disengaged. But what that turned out to be for us was compared to the other 360 some odd organizations, um, we won and fell number 27 on a list of 30 of the largest employers. A little more context here too. There's four groups. You're either a largest employer at 1,000 plus. You're a large employer, 250 to 999. You're a medium employer, 100 to 249, or a small employer, 50 to 99. So in that largest group, I think we did remarkably well. And you know, certainly, I, I do actually have the the magazine now that has come out, and it lists. You know, I, I looked at some of the other. Um, companies that we would all recognize you know we've got senior living residences we've got liberty mutual group um lexia learning charles river river labs um draft kings <laughs> um behavioral health network which is out in worcester uh, riverside community care comcast vinfen um and the umass chan medical school i mean they were number 30 we were number 27 yeah, so I noticed, the, I noticed that Comcast was below us. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, this is just wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, you know, it, it is pretty uh, exciting to be in some good company there. And there are organizations that I know nothing about, such as uh, DraftKings, which um, I believe is a betting. Is that right? A it is, it is, but it's, they're huge. They're yeah. just huge. <laughs> yeah, but but Justice Resource Institute, uh, VinFen, uh, East Boston Neighborhood Health Center, as you said, Behavioral Health Network, there are a lot of healthcare nonprofits in there. Uh, and all of those I know, having been around for a, a long time in Massachusetts, are really high quality organizations. So uh, yeah, we should be really proud to be in that. Those categories, I think, are really telling. And obviously, a lot of thought went into that because those are the things, you know, um, that make us externally good, the quality of what we're doing and the performance against our own metrics, but also how connected our workforce feel both to the organization itself and the work that we do. Um, and obviously, as I said before, people have thought a great deal about that in terms of how you engage a workforce. Um, so like I say, I think we should be really happy about that. You you don't rest on your laurels about that. You know, we have 11% uh, of the uh, workforce who are disengaged and four who are deeply disengaged. That, you know, that troubles, I know it troubles you and it troubles me because it means that we uh, need to do more in order to communicate and make people feel as if they're much more part of our organization. And I know that you have some sort of plans for that as we go forward. And it isn't just about saying, yay we were in the top 30 um it's about how do we make things even better than they are yeah i mean one of my major strategic initiatives is to you know improve employee satisfaction and i think you know it's not something that any one person or any one department owns it's something that each of us collectively needs to own and one avenue 
towards getting us to a place where we know what we need to own is to continue with these surveys. So like I sort of said at the top of the hour, we uh, have engaged with Energage formally over the next three years. We're going to be developing a deeper survey. But the good part about doing this externally is that there is 100% anonymity with this. Uh, folks can take this survey anywhere. They'll be able to take it on their phone. They'll be able to uh, take it on an iPad, a tablet, on their, their computer. And, and the data will be returned to us in aggregate. No, no names, no IP addresses, nothing like that. So I, I hope that that also continues to allow people a sense of comfort and more honestly responding. And then once we get that data back in aggregate, we're going to be able to sort of tease it apart and identify what, what are the top three hottest items that we absolutely need to address right away. You know, the issues are in double digit. And I'm going to guess just based on this small survey um, where we need to do more work, two areas, retention and our relationship with our supervisor. And I found that super interesting because they are just so inexorably linked. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you don't have that great relationship with your supervisor and the supervisor isn't meeting with you regularly to make sure that you're assimilated into your new team, that you understand how to do your job, that you have the tools to do your job, that you know where to go and, and, and to whom to go if you have questions, those are basics. and. You know, my guess is we're probably falling short in some of those and and thus we didn't score well in, in those two areas. So, you know, fast forward, once we're able to tease out what are the top three things, the goal will be to ask employees who are interested in those subject matters to form engagement committees. So staff will be coming together and uh, digging deeper into why we didn't do as well as we did in the subject matter. They can come forward and make recommendations about what they feel is important to them rather than having, you know, a, a bunch of managers sit in a room somewhere and say, okay, we need to do this, we need to do that. And it may just completely miss the mark with what employees feel is important. So engaging employees in the process, giving them the voice, giving them the platform, and then making sure that we're following through with those recommendations. And, and so engagement committees become living, breathing, ongoing things. And then once that team sort of completes the first group of three topics, then we're going to slowly activate the next team of two or three. And without, again, losing sight of what the work that the first team has done. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see that. Obviously, that's a, uh, a, a sort of a longer process. And it's, you're thinking about a year to three years of sort of activity. <clears throat> and, I, I, you know, by that time, we'll be redoing our strategic plan. And I would have thought that much of the information that's going to come out of those those groups is going to inform the next version of our strategic plan, or at least that I think that's the way that it should be, right? Exactly. You know, I always having having been sitting in the CHRO role now since the year two thousand. 
whenever we do the strategic plan, I can always tell you the two things that are that fall in my bailiwick are um, improve employee satisfaction and improve retention, because those two things just go hand in hand. They're always in my customer quadrant yeah. of, of so the balanced scorecard. So let me ask a question, because we oftentimes as nonprofits, we sort of compare ourselves to other nonprofits, which of course we have to do. Um, and we don't do too much comparison with the for-profit world, with retail, with things like that. Um, and interestingly enough, I was uh, I was meeting with our new uh, director of training today, who's coming from Dunkin' Donuts, and um, she was she was saying that there are similar things that go on in in that world. Um, would you say that from being on both sides of the fence or whatever you want to call it, it is similar that you, you that the people leave organizations primarily because they don't have a good relationship with their direct supervisor that a supervisor really is the is the agency sometimes because that's the that's the person that people sort of um, interact with every day and 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 the opportunity is there for that supervisor to make that that employee feel connected and if that isn't happening that's a problem would you say that it's really a, a, a well-told story yeah, I mean, I spent the majority of my career in um, for-profit uh, financial services, uh, banking, financial services, where, you know, the mission is the money. And, you know, in nonprofit, it is, it just couldn't be more flipped on its head. However, absent that, at the end of the day, every single person, you know, we all have a supervisor, all of us, even you, you have the board. Mm -hmm. Right. And and we all have these relationships that need to be cultivated and we're still humans first. And if if our relationships, if we don't feel connected, not just to the mission and to the purpose of our work. And, and you know, some people can can work w without a purpose. It's just a job. You know, I need to earn a living and that's fine. You know, that's good. That's that's a solid. They're taking care of themselves. They're taking care of their families. Most people like to have a purpose and a mission, and they like to be able to interact with people that they feel are like-minded and that care for, I'm not even going to say them, for me, for you, for us. We want to know we work in environments that, that are not, you know, we don't work in silos. We, we, don't, we just don't work in a tunnel where our own voice reverberates. And, and so having not only a good relationship, with your supervisor but one that you feel trusting and and there is a sense of mutual support i i mean you just can't put a value on that and and i think if if all the other pieces are in place you you understand the mission you're committed to the values you're committed in our case to persons served you know or if you work in in the for-profit world if you're committed to the money mission you know the money makes the world go round honorable mission right um, as long as they're giving donations to i know <laughs> right right yeah hopefully and at the end of the day we all still are going to say you know what i i have a decision to make i can either work at x company or y company and I think I'm going to stay at X company because my boss really supports me and and he talks to me or, 
you know, they make sure that I have all of the trainings that I need. I feel like my development really matters. You know, I'm, I'm going to go back to the DraftKings. We were sort of kidding about that. Uh, you know, there's a young man, I'm his godmother, and he went to work for DraftKings, first job out of college. He called me about uh, four or five months ago and said, I have an opportunity to go to a competitor. And they made me an offer for $40,000 more than what I earn. Now, let's face it. That is, in some cases, you know, an entire year's salary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so for a young person to be not, you know, have stars in his eyes about that opportunity, um, I, I said, all right, let's, you know, what should I do? What should I do is the big question. And, and so I asked him a series of questions. And at the end, he told me his supervisor has always supported him. His supervisor, like, always brings uh, training opportunities forward to him. And he knows that he's going to be on a pathway with DraftKings. He doesn't have that with this potential new employer. And I said, it is the hardest thing in the world to turn down more money yeah. and say no. But try to figure out what you value right now. And if it is support and opportunity and, you know, an inclusive environment and, you know, DraftKings values diversity. DraftKings is super open-minded. You know, kind of the same things that our staff told us we were in this survey um and he made the decision to stay at DraftKings and not take that forty thousand dollars and i was mm -hmm. so proud yeah. you know but 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 you know it's interesting isn't it because oftentimes there's a big there's a big lift to go to another employer and, and there is in some ways um if you if we can capitalize on that if by doing all those things right by having a good relationship with your supervisor by recognizing people by not just seeing somebody as the person who comes in for the second shift on a thursday night but to constantly keep talking about where do you want to go what what is your career and, and how can we help you with that what are the benefits that we can offer people and so there's this big sort of wraparound isn't there there's there's yeah, the is. there's the individual caring that comes from you know the the interaction with the supervisor but it's also the agency builds this sort of blanket of care in a way of saying look you know there is an opportunity for you because we value diversity and equity um, and we will help you get to where you need to be and it sort of gets me back to that whole leadership thing because leadership has become you know i was sort of <laughs> you'll see two talking heads on a screen saying this is what i call leadership it, 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 it's complicated isn't it it's not it just management and and as we move through um levels of leadership it's important that we develop new skills as leaders right you, you know you your your skill set as the person that is the outstanding clinician or whatever it was going to be is going to be different you're going to have to develop a different level of skills and that goes for next level and the next level and we really need to really concentrate on that and make sure that we're giving people who we acknowledge have um, the candle power to do the work, but the skill set and the soft skills in order to do what you're talking about, which is goes right back to retention, improving that relationship so people feel part of something bigger and cared for. Yeah, uh, and one of the things that we've definitely identified as an area that we need to to address is just 
basic new supervisor training, you know, and, and I think that one of my great opportunities here at BAMSI is to is to take a look at, you know, what we do, what we don't do, how we do what we do do. And, you know, is it really optimized to make sure that our supervisors even have this, the, the tools that they need to do the job? So one of the things that we're going to be launching in the first quarter of the new year is a new supervisor training. And I think that it's something BAMSI used to do, but hadn't been updated in a number of years. And I think, you know, COVID fell by the wayside during COVID. And so now we have an opportunity to resurrect something that our supervisors have told us that, you know, they don't necessarily feel as supported as they, they could. And, and so all of the functional areas, the admin, the finance team, the IT team, we're all working together right now to just produce basic, uh, a how-to manual. You know, and these are in addition to, you know, core leadership type skills that, that are being taught and trained through the training department. This is, as a supervisor, I know I need to go and approve time cards. How do I do it? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's as simple as that. So we're trying not to even overcomplicate things. And, and that'll be something that will be rolled out in the first quarter of the year. And we hope provides uh, at least the first step towards some better supervisor support. Yeah, and generating that interest in you know what do I have to do? How can I how can I develop those skills? I, I will tell you a little bit of positive press for that. Um, I was talking to a director um, who was having a little bit of a struggle with their program manager, um, and it was a very gentle conversation. Um, and I said, well, you know, uh, HR is developing this uh, new supervisor training. The supervisor, and she said, I've signed myself and the program manager up and so they're going to be in the first cohort and i thought how wonderful is that it's it that the director is saying i'm going to do this with you um, oh, and that's so pretty powerful that. yeah oh that's awesome that made yeah. my day <laughs> no i had a big smile on my face as as as, as she was saying that and, and it is wonderful that there is this interest in progression interest in learning you know we we are developing hopefully an environment of learning um, which obviously proves that we're not saying, oh, that's great, we got this Boston Globe um, <laughs> award, now we can just sort of sit back. In fact, um, there might be more of it for this, right, in terms of, of what the future brings. Yes. So, you know, that to me is if, if you look at a scale of one to five, you know, to me, just developing a basic, basic new supervisor training, you know, is sort of that one. Uh, ultimately, and again, part of my long-term strategic plan is to get to that five. And, and what five looks like to me is to be able to have a couple of additional folks in our learning and development training department that are truly dedicated to performance management and um, professional development. So basically, I call it the guidance counselor model, where the day that you come in to join BAMSI, you are going to meet with your guidance counselor just like you did when you were in high school. And that guidance counselor is going to talk to you about here's what we measure in the first, you know, six months. Let's just take a look at what you're, you know, what you're going to be measured against. Let's take a look at what your job description is and, and where you should be at the first 30, 60, 90 days of mastery. And then at, at the one year mark, here's what we're going to measure you on so you know what to anticipate. Um, and then from there, 
what do what else do you think you might like to learn about where else do you think you might like to go in the organization and of course we're also going to pull in succession planning to this because if folks aren't aligned with the succession plan and they're developing in the wrong direction um you know we're not things aren't talking to each other so we need to have some cohesion there and and so to get to that five, we need to start again, developing that succession planning model, and then making sure that we're talking to each and every employee about what's your plan? What do you want? And then keeping that dialogue going and making sure that the development opportunities are there. Yeah, I think it's such a good, that, that really is coming full circle, isn't it? Because it's engaging people in their own histories yes. and then uh, futures and then sort of binding that in with the future of this organization which just sounds perfection you know i was thinking as you were talking about um career coaches and um i know career coaches have come a long way since i was there but when when i was in school i i met with mine and after three minutes of talking to me she said you should be a librarian <laughs> and i can still not work out what I said to her, I think it was because I was very quiet. I think that was the thing because <laughs> I didn't even say, say I, wrote, I read any books. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's been there's been a huge uh, development since then, and and having that in house, I think, is just really massively important. Just as we as we begin to wrap up here, um, okay. So in Massachusetts, we have got some recognition. Um, what's next for, um, you know, what, what's the next step for BAMSI in terms sure. of recognition? So, um, you know, what we've done here is uh, submitted ourselves. We figured, what the heck? We, we did remarkably well. And, and so let's dip our toe and see um, if we might be able to link our survey results to any of the cultural awards, for example, an area that we did do really well in, um, and see if we can't earn some of these additional badges that, that they award to the companies that have the winners. And, and so we have submitted ourselves um, not only for a cultural award, but to be a contender in one of the top places in the United States to, to win. So um, naturally we're hopeful. Uh, we're supposed to hear about this in February and uh, hopefully we can you know, share out some good news in, in another four to six weeks that, that we are a recipient. But even if we're not, I'm still gonna say that this was, this was a really terrific experience to learn about what's on people's minds at BAMSI. What are we doing well in the areas that we want to make sure we continue to do well in? Um, you know, we're doing well in our quality of care and our staff think, that's just our staff believes we're doing well in our quality of care. Our staff believes we're doing well cultivating our culture and our staff believes we're doing well with satisfaction. and. You know, I think that this news is maybe a surprise to some, but a reaffirmation to those who, who have always believed that we, we do make a great effort and, and we do do things well. And so this also is an awesome launching point for me as an, you know, now a one-year employee at BAMSI and the, the HR person who's totally into this subject this is this is my favorite subject i think of all it used to, i'd say it used to be recruiting but 
now just employee engagement and retention, um, just to learn what our benchmark is here and to continue to learn and then develop those engagement committees and grow off of this is, is just going to be so exciting for mm. me. And I hope it is for the staff as well. Yeah, I, I think it does. And I was going to say, um, it's not a surprise to anybody who's listened to the last 30 minutes that this is our favorite subject of yours, because <laughs> you certainly do have a lot of enthusiasm for it. And, um, and of course, that's one of the principal reasons you're here, Pam, because I think you're going to take us on that journey over the next few years. And I'm also very excited about it. And I'm also very pragmatic knowing that this is a focus that every employee should uh, employer should be looking at so that when people come into an organization, they feel as if they belong uh, and gradually they get to know the work and then say, what else is that is next for me? That is the that is a, a, a perfect journey. Um, and the thought of getting some recognition nationally is kind of interesting as well. We'll see how that goes. Um, I think we're just about out of time. Uh, so, Pam, thank you again for coming on and we'll check in in a few months and see how we're doing. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Great. Very. Hey, Chris.